0: Attention. Welcome to the Film Mages podcast, where the popcorn is our ammunition, the
1: couch is our foxhole, and the cinema is a place of worship. Now let me see your warfare.
0: Ah! It's still Christmas.
1: It sure is. It's
0: still the holiday wow, season. Look at that. It's Christmas.
1: It's Christmas. It's Christmas.
0: Well time. I, 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 I say, Mari, it's it, it's Christmas. Where, where where are the kids? <laughs> oh, my
1: golly. Get those kids out of here. They're some little sons of bitches. Stop playing that confounded tune, dammit. Ah. Hey, everybody. Oh. Welcome to the Film Majors. Hey, wow. it's
2: Alexis. It's hey, Zach.
0: and it's Mick.
1: And, uh, yeah, we're still we're still doing our thing. We're still spreading some Christmas cheer. And I spreading I the, the cheer. I'm so to
2: Christmas. I'm you, so shocked. Yeah,
1: I I know. you did it. Wow. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm thoroughly impressed. Same. And, you know... You, you did, I'm, too. Uh, yeah, I'm out of my Tiny Tim era. That uh, was
0: It was a fun era. I enjoyed uh, it. I did
1: not. I was having a real bad time. But, you know, I'm feeling my best. There are and... no
2: crutches to be seen by the fireplace now. Yeah.
1: yeah, my crutch is firmly tucked under my armpit.
0: So, folks, uh, <laughs> you, right now, people listening are probably asking what's going on? And uh, uh, the sound of that was Alexa's belching into her arm really giving her diaphragm a good workout
2: i always am you know i'm a former singer you know you gotta work out your diaphragm every once in a while is that why you're so
0: good at belching is because you you used to sing opera
2: do you do you want the real reason why i'm so good at belching yeah (laughs) actually is there an origin story here (laughs) yeah wait oh i love it oh my god i didn't know this
0: (laughs) share with us so
2: there was this girl in high school her name was uh, Raven Alexis, actually, her middle name was Alexis, and she cool was name. she was interesting, and uh, she would like belch the ABCs. Yeah, and so I honestly wasn't really very good at burping like at that time. Um,
0: Raven Alexis, did she teach you?
1: Is Raven well, Alexis was like, like was your trying... shadow self? She Is like, that she your was like your alter my... ego?
2: She she was my uh, I could I guess my belching master. <laughs>
1: <laughs> your belching, your belching master.
0: Thank you, Sensei. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, so I was like, I was trying to belch the ABCs like her. And so I just kept making myself belch. And then eventually it got to a point where I can no longer stop belching.
0: You <laughs> like, couldn't stop belching the ABCs. It's wow. like,
2: it's like whatever, uh, the muscle it is that I worked out there. It is, uh, it is down and ready to go at all times now. <laughs> That's what You worked it out. Yeah, you're you're sure ripped. entire is belch. ripped. Yeah. Wow.
0: That's interesting. I used to try to burp the ABCs, but I'd always get close to throwing up by the time okay. I got to L. No, let's
2: not. No, I said
0: burp and then I said A. That's oh, not the great. same. Yeah. yeah. So. Wow. Well. Hi, folks. <laughs> yeah, nice I'm
2: Mick. <laughs> so we're, we're in what's going on already. Yeah, we right? are. We are. you did it. <laughs> I
0: did do it. So what is going on, folks? Let's, let's tell the wonderful people what's going on with our lives.
1: Uh, um, well... We got a listener email. Yeah, we got a listener email that was not from my dad.
0: Oh, my God. No, folks, listening to this, we have been wanting to get an email from you all for so long. and Zach's dad has emailed us maybe once or twice. Maybe once. Once. And we finally got an email to the film majors from a... What's
1: his name? Uh, Let's not say his last name. No. He's uh, he's a fan named Jared. It's
0: Raven Jared. (laughs) Jared's his middle name.
1: Yep. Uh, Yeah, so Jared uh, sent us an email that was, uh, you know, very kind, very supportive. Hi,
0: Jared. Thank you for writing in. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's
1: nice to know that there are people we don't know listening. I know.
2: I don't think he's my biggest fan, but that's okay, man. (laughs) That's,
1: you know. It is what it is. Uh, Yeah, so Jared had a few questions for us. Yeah. Um, and one that I feel like we could, uh, get into a little bit that I thought was a fairly good question is, uh, what's a movie you hated when it came out, but over the years have grown an appreciation for? What made your view on the movie shift?
0: A movie we hated. Now that's the key word is hate. hated. Yes. Yeah, what's see, a that's... movie that we hated, but we have, we've grown to appreciate that. You know, what's that's a good question. Thank one you. Charity.
1: That I hated when I saw it first. And I think the Main reason my view shifted is because I got older. Mm-hmm. I watched Dr. Strangelove when I was about eight or nine. Mm, the Kubrick film. Yes. Nice. And I One did not... One of my not, all-time
0: favorites. Yeah, I
1: did not like that movie. I, uh, I was very... Yeah, I think that... I think it was a little too mature for nine-year-old me. Uh, yeah, could I be. was very upset by the ending. And yeah, I, uh, I spent a lot of years being like, Oh, that movie's... yeah, uh, I don't like it. It's not funny. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I ever revisited it, uh, prior to honestly my first year of college, but I went to a double feature screening of, uh, Lolita and Dr. Strangelove, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb, right. uh, which had like a talk back by one of the producers. And upon rewatching Dr. Strangelove, I was just struck by how incredibly funny that movie is. I mean, you know, Peter Sellers giving an all-time performance. Uh, it's performance Several all-time performances. Three performances. Uh, George C. Scott. Hilarious. Incredibly oh funny. Oh my God. I and, love his
0: performance in that.
1: Uh, Sterling Hayden. Came out he,
0: of retirement to do that is, part.
1: He's the guy who talks about... Uh, the communists trying to steal our precious fluids. fluids. yeah. So funny.
0: It's hilarious. Uh,
1: so yeah, I think just age shifted my view on Dr. Love, which yeah. I would now say is probably one of my favorite comedies.
0: Yeah. No, I'm happy to hear you say that, because it is in my top, I don't know, five, but top ten, at least. Love that film. So, so good. Alexis, do you have a movie that you hated and have since grown to love?
2: I honestly can't even think of a movie that I like necessarily hated that I <laughs> revisited. Right. Necessarily. Um, wow. Somebody I, I mean,
1: didn't rewatch Elvis three times.
2: Okay. Wow. Well, that doesn't apply to her. <laughs> I'm not, just a, thinking about my experience me, with so. that. I'm
1: still a little mad.
2: <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, I can think of movies that I like. I maybe I would feel differently watching Licorice Pizza again. I didn't like that movie. Maybe. Um, And, you know, since then, I've gone on, like, a PTA uh, marathon and decided that, oh, shit, okay, I have to take it back. I do actually really like him as a director. Um, I have to eat my fucking words. Uh, But can't think of any movie specifically that I hated and then grew to love.
1: Maybe you and I should have a day where you rewatch Licorice Pizza and I rewatch Phantom Thread because yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. okay. I had a similar experience, because yeah. Phantom Thread was my first PTA movie, and I did not like it, and I have not revisited it. Not and the first
0: PTA movie that you didn't like? No, the
1: first PTA movie I ever saw. Really?
0: Yeah. I actually,
2: yeah, don't, yeah wow. I'm trying to think.
0: You were yeah. that late to the PTA movie?
1: Uh, yeah, I saw Oh, it. I didn't yeah, know that. first year of college. Wow. Yeah, that came out my first year of college. I'm, I watched that. Damn. I didn't like it, and then one of my friends was like, okay, sit down, watch There Will Be Blood. And I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, fantastic."
2: I, I think, if I'm being honest, I don't think I'd actually seen a PTA movie before Licorice Pizza. I can't really. Think. Yeah, because we wow. watched we watched Phantom Thread, Punch Drunk Love, and Was that Boki after Nights, Licorice after, Pizza? after oh, I wow. had seen okay. Licorice Pizza? Because I was like. Well, I really didn't like that movie, but I know everybody's like Tits McGee
0: over PTA. Tits McGee over (laughs) PTA. If there's
1: one term I would use to describe my feelings towards PTA. It's Tits McGee. It's Tits McGee.
2: Um, And yeah, so I saw those movies and I was like, well, damn, I didn't love Punch Drunk Love, but I did love Boogie Nights and I loved Phantom Thread. So I was like, okay, you know what? Mm -hmm. Maybe I should give this guy a chance again. I don't know that I will necessarily come back to the Crispy Pizza and have the same feelings that my mom and you guys have about it, but
1: um,
2: yeah, no, I mean, just whatever. I think I just uh, I'm less inclined to like hate movies. Maybe
1: that's fair. You're a more positive I, person. I think that's a sunnier disposition. Yeah, Indeed.
0: there are only a few movies that I re- like hate. Hate Splice is probably a, a great example of that. <laughs> That would be a fun episode if we ever covered Splice, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I would say for me, this is also a film, kind of like Alexis, I didn't hate. I just didn't get it and didn't really like it. And I wanted to like it, but it just, it just didn't do it. But there was something about it where I just kept returning to it and trying. And it has now become one of my favorite films of all time, Coen Brothers' Big Lebowski.
1: Yeah, that okay.
0: was a movie. I I tried, I think I was in middle school because like, my friends were really all about it. And I just didn't understand what the fucking point of any of this is. I didn't really get the comedy. It just seemed obnoxious and like it wasn't going anywhere. Why do I give a shit about any of these people? But the more I thought about it, the more the lines and the dialogue just kept sticking with me. It's like, you know what? I should watch that again. That's a good line. And I kept going back to it, back to it. And it's probably the comedy I've seen the most. Uh, It's one of my favorite comedies of all time, The Big Lebowski. It's such a good film. So out of any movie, if I had to pick my trajectory of going like, ooh, really don't get this, to this is one of my all-time favorites, Big Lebowski.
2: I do know why it was that I don't, I thought that I didn't like PTA, especially because I watched, I watched, um, let me see here, I watched Licorice Pizza, and then I watched Punch Drunk Love, and I was like, I do not know if I like him as a director. And it's because his characters are not, Likeable to me personally, right. um, but as I watched more of his stuff, then I was like, "Oh shit, okay, I kind of get it now." Yeah, uh, I don't need to like them. I just want to see where they're going, see right. where it's going. Um, so that that's oh, kind of it for me.
0: That's uh, that's what I've said before. I don't think I've said it on the podcast. I might have. It doesn't fucking matter. But what, what something I really love about PTA films is that they're always most of them are these big odysseys. They take place over this long period. Uh, of time and you have all these different casts of characters that come in and out of life and you see this person you know start from nowhere go someplace big and then really top off and, and drop off and they're and they're corruptible and oftentimes as you said not likable characters morally bankrupt characters that are our leads which is tricky to pull off I- entertainment wise uh that's really why I appreciate his films
1: yeah no so to pivot back to big lebowski real quick Mm -hmm. mick what do you think it was that made you shift your perspective on it because i i had kind of a similar experience with big lebowski i didn't i didn't hate it the first time i watched it yeah but i wasn't like oh this is a top tier cohen's movie right and then the more i revisited it the more it just like grew on me
0: yeah i i would say it definitely comes down to i think it just comes down to the script it is. So, I. I. really think the Big Lebowski is one of the best screenplays. It's so good. The, the. The. dialogue and what the actors did with those lines is just how can you not be impressed by it? And also just the the, the, the fact that it's also stupid. In the end, this really isn't a mystery. This is just. It's. It's. What is it? It's. A, it's a spoof, basically, of the Big Sleep. Right. The. Uh. the um. It's kind of like their take on it
1: yes i think so
0: because it's a, it's basically an la noir uh a detective film yes but what if what if instead of humphrey bogart it's a washed up pot-smoking hippie who loves to go bowling and that's all his life is and he's just thrown into this situation that he's that, that, that now suddenly he has to investigate this this mystery of this missing person I don't know. I think that's beautiful. I just think I think that's a great idea for a script. I think it's a great idea for a story.
1: It's something that it has in common with uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is absolutely. It's it a does. movie yes. about what if your unwilling detective yeah. was fucking witless. Yeah. Like no, absolutely. What, what if and, they were a complete buffoon?
0: And it's great <laughs> to see them fall ass backwards into answers, which is always fun. Yeah, uh, I love Jeff Bridges' portrayal. I love John Goodman in that film. Uh, it's, yeah. So that's that's my answer. I think you just, it. it uh, it's just that script. I love it. I love reading it. I've read that script and it's just great. It's so good.
1: Sweet. Yeah.
0: Anything else going on, folks?
1: Uh, yeah. I went and saw Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio.
0: <laughs> oh, wonderful. How was that?
1: Uh, I really enjoyed it. Nice. I, uh, it, I mean, Del Toro has said this, but it is definitely of a piece with uh, The Devil's Backbone and Pan's Labyrinth. I'm uh, in it, because in terms, I love those. Yeah, in terms of being a story about uh, children navigating a uh, fascist regime. Yeah. Love um, it also reminds me a lot of AI, which means seen that. that it broke my fucking heart. Mm. Because it is a movie about what if you made... A being that lives forever and loves forever mm-hmm. and loves people who do not live forever. Yeah. Forever. That's, that's absolutely true. It is a nightmare. Yeah. It is an existential horror. And uh, I mean, I think AI is a better movie. But Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio also fucking wrecked me.
0: I've been really looking forward to that film. Uh, so I'm excited to, I'm excited to see it, especially after Robert Zemeckis dropped his take on, on Pinocchio this I, year. It made me curious <laughs> to watch the Zemeckis Wait, did, one. Well, that's what, the what, thing. What did he
1: say? What? Oh no! Zemeckis made a Pinocchio. Movie. Yeah. Oh. He made okay. like, the Disney Pinocchio yeah, with movie with Tom
0: um, Hanks. Yeah. The Disney live action I see. remake. I think we covered this at the beginning, like what, back when it came, like, came out in
1: September, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Didn't yeah. see it. No one did. No one did. <laughs> no one did. It yeah. It cursed. dropped straight to Disney Plus, I believe.
2: Ah, I see. That
1: seems about right.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I have to shout out uh, two vocal performances from Pinocchio. Uh, David Bradley, who. uh, is a british character actor who played filch in the harry potter series he's okay. in uh hot fuzz and the world's end as oh, well right 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 uh he gives a really wonderful vocal performance as geppetto and uh Christop- he plays geppetto yes yeah he voices geppetto i was i was trying to place the voice because it sounded like john hurt does he and say uh yeah he sings I believe he sings
0: you know that is a I, yes, I yes think, he does sing yeah. I think he is a royal Shakespeare trained actor that a lot guy. of those I think he yeah. is because they did like a behind the scenes or something uh-huh. with Game of Thrones one time and he's in Game of Thrones okay. yeah because he's one of the 20 British people he is one of the 20 I think he's number 18 <laughs> yeah I think
1: so uh, well no he'd be one of the earlier ones he'd be like number number yeah, five but it, it's, it's
0: England it changes I don't know why uh, it, it changes it's like a power an, an yeah, there's a hierarchy <laughs> to it
1: well I think he deserves to be higher than number eighteen. I, would, I agree. He's with at that. least a number twelve in my heart. Number twelve at least.
0: That's nice. Love in it. England, number twelve.
1: <laughs> that's fucking true. It is true. <laughs> Shout out to our English. We ourselves. love you guys. You're ugly
0: braces are getting cheaper every year.
2: You know you're American when you have to make a comment about British people's yeah, fucking
1: teeth. Fuck tea. them.
2: Because they. I think that's even in a 1975 song where he says something so like. Uh, if she says something about my teeth, she's American.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, Britain. Britain, how's, are, how's the how's the World
0: Cup doing? There for are you certain guys? stereotypes Ooh. that have truth <laughs> to them, and British teeth is definitely one of them. Like, okay, really, do all their teeth fucked up? And then you look at it, and it's like, wow, all yeah. their teeth are fucked up. The, yeah, it's it's all of them. Well,
2: I don't know. Maybe braces are just really prevalent in America.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. my, my
2: teeth could... were fucked up when I was a kid. Yeah. So were mine. So were mine. And I so fixed that's them. why I got
0: braces. Yeah.
1: yeah. In, in a healthcare system where it's not a single payer healthcare system. That's right. Britain, they have nationalized healthcare. What and are you guys doing? They still do Do they care. not have nationalized dental? Yeah. Maybe Come they on. don't care. <laughs> well,
2: maybe it's a. It's Start caring. Maybe, maybe they get better grit on their bread.
1: <laughs> oh. Are we talking, are we claiming that the British have some sort of a better food than us? No, that they have a better bite. They have a better, they have a better crunch. Their teeth are. They can bite bread, <laughs> better. I, I know. You're it, saying that they I'll can like bite bread, trying better. trying to You're defend not saying British that teeth. They make I was better making better a joke because <laughs> well, like, you know, I feel like you guys
2: are ragging on them really hard. It's fine. <laughs> the they can us. take
0: it. Yeah, they've. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Colonize <laughs> you know, the fucking world. They'll actually, be fine. I'm gonna. British teeth and their oh gritty bread, actually. It's a good segue.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a fantastic segue. I thank you, Alexis, for teeing me up to the film I watched, which is the Private Life of Sherlock Holmes, a Billy Wilder film Ooh. from 1970. And there's a oh. great line in it where Sherlock Holmes is talking to, I think, a, a, a Russian <laughs> man or, or something like that, and he goes, "Well, you know the old saying that the only thing worse than British cooking is our lovemaking."
2: Oh dear. <laughs> Um, um expand?
1: Uh, yeah, so yeah, that's uh, what people say to the British when they make love. Um, expand? Expand? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: I would so... say I would say uh, that I you know, I actually have not written a review for a film in a very long time on Letterboxd, and watching the private life of Sherlock Holmes really spurred me to do that again. Um it it's a really good picture it really is it's not perfect but it's close to being a perfect sherlock holmes story because at the time it came out and i'm actually excited to talk about the film that we're here to discuss today in the context of the era in which it was released that's kind of how i view the private life of sherlock holmes because at the time what was really becoming popular was the american new wave and because of goddard and bergman everyone was really into these edgy independent european films very singular directorial voices and so these big budget pictures from hollywood were really kind of from a bygone era at that point they weren't making money they were called roadshow pictures at the time and billy wilder came out with the private life of sherlock holmes which was supposed to be initially like a three and a half hour long epic oh wow but they cut like an hour out of it of these side stories which by the way is amazing because you watch the movie and i couldn't find a single point where there was a storyline missing it's a really well cut film and it's gorgeous the guy who shot it was i believe the gaffer on the red shoes so he had watched how that cinematographer had made such a gorgeous film applied that to sherlock holmes and the music is from miklos rosa i think that's how you say his name the guy who did the music for ben-hur which is one of my favorite film scores of all time He's been credited with reintroducing the concept of leitmotifs into film scores, which is just so beautiful. That's basically, if you don't know what that is, it's just a reoccurring theme that is associated with an idea or a character that comes back in many different forms. It can be a love theme, it can be a tragic thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, to wrap it up, Sherlock Holmes, Private Life, I would really, really recommend it. It's like this weird amalgamation where they try to take what was popular with Bond at the time, but apply it to like Sherlock Holmes. And it surprisingly works for the most part. There are some parts of it where I'm like, eh, don't know about that. But Christopher Lee as Mycroft Holmes, scene stealer.
1: Excellent. Oh, my
0: God. He's so good. So watch that movie. It's on Amazon Prime, I'm pretty
1: sure. Perfect. Right on. Uh, Anything else? Do we have anything else going on?
2: No, I've been catching up with so much uh, Succession, I have, like, not watched any hell movies.
1: Hell yeah. So yeah, hell yeah, it, it, Zach
2: have. is living for it. I'm
1: so thrilled every time I see a text from Alexis about Succession. <laughs> makes, <laughs> <laughs> makes my day. Uh, I'm going to have
0: to fucking watch that show at this point. You are. It's Because my, a PA I was working with yesterday, we wrapped the show, he was talking to me about Succession. And he said something that really, like, it kind of pushed me over the edge of, like, okay, fine. Swank to it, it. I'll watch it. So I'll probably roll that maybe when I'm up in Oregon.
1: Hell yeah. yeah. Alrighty, well let's get out of what's going on.
0: Great. Bye.
2: Button up. Fucklehead. Yep.
1: <laughs> Buckle up, fucklehead.
2: Buckle up, fucklehead.
0: <laughs> So it's what are we what one. are we discussing today? What's what's a uh, what 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 are we attaching to our film? Uh, we of the day?
1: wanted to talk about some of our favorite, uh, either anti capitalist or just uh, films that are critical of capitalism.
0: Great. There's plenty of those. There sure yeah. are. And we love those here. Yeah. We do. On the the film more recent podcast.
2: one is definitely Parasite.
1: Yes, excellent yeah. choice. Uh, yeah. Alexis, what do you love about Parasite? Yeah, <laughs> Great.
0: expand.
2: Great. Um, Uh, Let's see here. Uh, We did talk about Parasite before as a gear change film. Um, That's
1: right, we did.
2: But I guess in general, I always love films that follow uh, a quote unquote quote unquote common man Um, because to me, uh, what is real is what's real in the lives of real people. Um, I mean, I'm enjoying Succession definitely, but you know, a lot of it, I'm just like. I can't fucking believe people live like
1: this. Yeah, you know, uh, hopping in helicopters like they're fucking cars. Yeah, drive your whirly bird.
2: If I can just buying a uh, football teams or whatever, you know, as, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but uh, I enjoyed the symbolism of the fucking rock. I enjoyed the trickery of the family, but it's it's also just kind of like to the rich family. It clearly feels like this family like tricked them into like hiring them right but really all they're just trying to do is survive and in order to do that they just have to be fucking clever right and they are fucking clever um and uh and it, it kind of reminds me of the way that like I think women uh were viewed in the past as being like uh conniving and um secretive and stuff it's kind of the way that I think like rich people kind of in movies or portrayals or whatever kind of feel about people who are poor who make their way into their space is that you you know you you tricked people into being here and it's like well then fucking offer me a seat yeah you know um uh, I'm trying to think of what else I like about it. I mean, there's there's a lot of different moments, like the the whole thing of like they smell like a basement, Ooh, you know, and that guy is like trying to way. figure out what the fucking that smell is, you know, and uh, that's what triggers it at the very poverty. end. Is and yeah, it's so it's so offensive to him, you mm-hmm. know, and that is actually what triggers like the climax at the end of the movie is that the stench of poverty on a different man is so offensive and he sees how offensive it, it is to him. And he thinks, you know what? Why the fuck am I helping these people?
0: Mm-hmm. You
2: know, why should I help this person? Yeah, and, yeah, that's, that's kind of fair. Do whatever <laughs> so. you have
0: to do because none of this matters.
2: I mean, do whatever you have <laughs> and to do. It sticks th- a knife into I mean, pack. in many, in many ways, capitalism, that's what capitalism teaches you. And that's what like all those rich people are doing is doing whatever it is to like, keep things going for them. But, the poor people are the ones who are demonized for doing that as well, you know. Right. So I don't know.
0: Yeah. Us versus them, yeah, mentality.
1: Yeah. Uh, one that I love from the year before is Boots Riley's "Sorry to bother, bother you." Great choice. Which is that was an one incredible, full blown. That's a communist film. Yeah. And it rules. Uh, I love how literal it is with its. Like how much it literalizes its theme. Mm -hmm. Um, Spoilers for the movie. Uh, The company in Sorry to Bother You, uh, I believe it's called Worry Free. Yes. uh, Is literally turning its workers into horse people so that they will be stronger and hardier in and, and, order to work and, and, and who runs worry-free uh, army <laughs> Army hammer. hammer giving folks. a very good performance <laughs> i have to say yeah One, you of, buy it don't of you cannibal actors our, our he's the favorite, best
2: <laughs> our least favorite cannibal actor but maybe he might the most be talented. my favorite
1: cannibal actor which great. you know <laughs> <laughs> great listen I how, many, that audio. how many other <laughs> ones do you know <laughs>
2: Well, I was just thinking about Bones and all, so... <laughs> you know, at this bones. point, I mean, maybe we can, be, we can say uh, that Timmy is my favorite cannibal uh, actor. Really no, but cannibal.
0: Zach means an actual actor <laughs> yeah. who's also I, mean, actor I
1: don't know many, so. yeah. I mean, an actor profess, who professed what? to be 100% a cannibal. Jesus. Um, who's
0: incidentally an actor.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. But, yeah, I love that they are literally turning the workers into workhorses.
0: When that happens in the movie, I was like, it's not often does my jaw drop, but oh my god! It's yeah. also very graphic. It's, yeah, it's it's yeah, really it's in you got your
1: Big face. old horse cocks too. Oh god! That's kind of what <laughs> oh, okay. I meant by saying graphic. <laughs> Army Hammer. We're all thinking is it, but Jack is to... just thrown it out there. Army Hammer is trying to pitch. Uh, Oh my God. Lakeith Stanfield Mm -hmm. on uh, turning into a horse person so that he can control any horse workers movement. Uh, It's so on the nose. He goes, (laughs) I love it. He goes, and think about this. You'll have a horse cock. (laughs) Great. Uh, Yeah. So I love that film. It is a searing indictment of capitalism. uh, And anyone who has not seen it should absolutely check check it out. out. I believe it's, it was on Hulu, it may still be on. That was 16, yeah. 17... No, 18. 18. That was 18. Yes. I, right,
2: right, right. right. I, I'll be honest. I, I know you love that movie so much. I think the movie is good, but I will never watch it again because I cannot with the horse
1: cock. It's very <laughs> you, disturbing. I'm, I
0: will not. I, I, I will be kind of in the middle of that, actually. I also don't... I, I didn't like like latch onto it and love it the way you did zach i would probably rewatch it i would revisit it but i'm also not in a rush to if, because if, it did disturb me it really did if
2: we were looking at like lakeith stanfield's like performances and movies over time sure i'd rewatch it but that is the only reason i would come back to that movie is for lakeith
0: i also enjoyed the white voices yeah oh that, was, that was fucking that was hilarious. hilarious that was hilarious <laughs> yeah i love that um uh,
1: i uh yeah i'm gonna have to find a month to sneak that into because i love that movie (laughs) also if anybody wants to give me a christmas present i want that movie on blu-ray great well now i know what to get you yeah because
0: i think that would be nice to have on the shelf right um we've explained what the shelf is right yeah our massive massive blu-ray collection that we are gonna have to
1: get another shelf for
0: you know alexis has kind of i don't even know if you know this but she's kind of pushed me towards maybe i should get a vhs
1: player I, mean, I have I have a VHS player at my dad's place that I could bring down. We oh should, my God, do it. We
0: should, should bring have, that down. I
2: have literally every single Disney movie on VHS in the cl- original clamshell like, um, oh, like yeah. containers and stuff. Yeah, I mean like. The,
0: yeah, bring down the VHS like, oh, player so we can watch Disney. Terms Film of day.
2: Endearment. That's what we watched the other day. That's what I forgot to bring up. And what's going on? We, I Mick watched Terms of Endearment for the first time, and I was telling him oh, that so I, the first time I saw that was on VHS because I was. I was having this very, like, anti... I mean, I didn't have money coming out of high school. You know, my mom was like, you know, get a job, you know, provide for yourself. And I, you know, love, you know, providing me with a work ethic or whatever. But, you know, I didn't have any money. So if I wanted to fucking watch a movie or something, I went to the used store and I got like, you know, VHSs that were like 50 cents or I got used CDs, Mm -hmm. you know, to play in my car and um and i was i it made me so mad that the fucking the whole system was rigged so that you couldn't like things certain dvd players and blu-rays and stuff weren't backwards compatible and i was like right. it's all just a fucking thing to get our goddamn money and i was so pissed about it so i i bought myself a vhs player and i insisted on only watching vhs's for like a couple years <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love it hell yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, I'll bring the VHS player down. You should. because uh,
0: We should add that. Because, again, I want to get a new cabinet and redo the whole fucking thing. So we should do that. All VHS, right. VHS, Blu-ray, the whole thing. Yeah. I'll Anyways, a uh, bit of a tangent.
1: Mick, anti-capitalist or uh, critical of capitalist films? Uh, Capitalism.
0: You know, I think they're really good ones. Wages of Fear is great. Devil's Backbone is great. But if I had to choose one that I just love how blatant it is about it, it's They Live by John Carpenter.
1: Hell fucking yeah, bro. That's brother. probably
0: my favorite... I, Parasite... Actually, that's probably my favorite, favorite, but... Oh, uh, come they on. Live, Don't back down. They Live is such a good film. I know we've talked about it before on the podcast, but that is about as anti-capitalist as you can really get. Um, and, and, they, and they package it in such a strange alien invasion of the body snatchers type of way. Yeah. Um, It's basically because it's also very communist because you have the homeless shelter which is very much a collective of people that understand what's going on and you have the working man the working man can see the truth because they have these sunglasses that let you see the truth anytime you see billboards that are ads or magazines it's all about breed make money obey obey It's yeah. It translates all the signage that you see when you're walking down a street into really what it what they're communicating to you. And by they, I mean this alien uh, 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 civilization that has invaded Earth quite successfully. And they exist in the form of rich people and police.
1: Yeah, and rich people, cops, and uh, news anchors.
0: Yeah. So uh, how can I mean? I'm sorry. Can you get better than that? I mean, can you really boil down the issue better better than that?
1: As someone who fucking loves Sorry to Bother You and thinks Mm -hmm. that is such a unique original film, it owes a lot. To they live they
0: live is is excellent if you haven't seen it yet you really should it's it's been out for just you know decades now
1: spool through the filmography of mr johnny carpenter there's a lot of good ones there johnny carpenter I'm and jordan sure. Poole. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know john carpenter was interviewed recently and was asked what contemporary horror directors he likes and he was like you know, I think uh, Jordan Poole's doing a lot of good stuff. It's like, uh, you know, it's almost, nice. Th-
2: almost there. <laughs> it's nice that
1: you praised him, but that is not his name.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah, that would probably be my choice for a movie that, you know, is an indictment of capitalism. In a very fun way. It's a fun film to I'll, watch.
2: I'll definitely have to check it out sometime. That's right. You
1: haven't, you it. haven't yeah. seen it.
2: Um, I have a, you guys have any other movies that you wanted to bring up?
1: Uh, not off I the have, top of my head. American
0: so so Psycho's good, a good one.
2: Yeah, I yeah, I actually have a tie-in with that. And I have a good segue to um, our official movie. Ooh, we love uh, a with, segue with, on the podcast. Please, um, take us I, there. I, I'll be honest, I, I love Parasite so much, but I think my actual choice would be The Big Short, which, okay. I mean, I know that it's not like a highly loved movie or anything, but I really enjoyed it when it came out because... Um, I mean, it covered a point in life that, you know, we all went through, you know, the the recession that happened after the housing market crash,
1: as opposed to the recession that's happening next year. Buckle up, guys. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, toodaloo. To all of our money
1: <laughs> <Yay>. What money? <laughs> I know I'm I have in negative money I, negative I,
2: money. I, I have, have none to lose I, I have the money place. I do make Goes somewhere else
0: I've been ready goes. to be poor for years I'm I already there I can't lose money
1: in the recession <laughs> I've already if had If I don't have any
2: Yeah exactly you know, there's something kind of See, beautiful about this is about why that. I
0: love us. Is because <laughs> we talk about the next economic depression. And we're like, hey, guys, we're there. We're together. We're ready for it. We're already yeah. there. Yeah. There's a silver lining in everything.
1: Yeah. I like eating beans. Yeah, Me, just, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Why did I say I'm... it like that? <laughs> Me, Me, too. too.
2: Me, <laughs> too. <laughs> but yeah, no, when I, when I watched that movie, I really liked it. I liked the way that they broke down all of the the terminology so that it's like easier for you to understand. Um, and honestly, it horrified me because there was so many people involved in what went on that just they're making their money so why would they care about all the people that it's hurting or even they don't even realize how much it's going to hurt people because they don't realize that they've literally built something on a fucking house of cards
0: because they are out of fucking touch yeah. That's the problem with Richard. So with that's like... Touch. It's
2: like that that fucking scene with Steve Carell when he interviews like some guy who is like a broker and he's like selling all these bonds and he's explaining like how these bonds work and and he's like, hey man, like this, this guy just... He, he told me everything and as if he like didn't care and he's yeah. like because he doesn't, you know? Like they don't even know and he's like bragging about the fact that he basically is about to cause a fucking crash in the economy you know mm-hmm. and um and to me it hit home because my mom did lose her job um during the the beginning of the recession so she was unemployed for quite a while she ended up having to take a job out of town i did tell you guys the story but this is my segue
1: same thing happened with my dad actually he had to take yeah. a job out of town as well my yeah. mom as well yeah look at that
2: yeah wow Aww. guys we shared this together
0: yeah mom if you're listening to this good on you for surviving and doing what needed to be done Wow. Profound.
2: Yeah, Um, yeah, uh, and for Jared, I love my mom.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, you should have... Before (laughs) we segue, let's address that for a second, please.
2: Uh, Jared thinks it's unbecoming how I talk about my mother, and I would just like to say for... You know, something. My mom may not listen to this podcast, but anything that I say on this podcast, I gladly will and have said to her face. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> it's true. I've witnessed it. <laughs> it's true. Mick I've seen it. Mick yeah. came
2: over for Thanksgiving and yeah. he was, uh, I think he was kind of interested in the family dynamic. Yeah,
0: I, that's what I mentioned. It's like, you know, sometimes when someone really rags on like a family member, you're like, okay, totally get that. I do that all the time. But then you see them with that family member and then they change their tune because with family, you have to be nice. You know, Alexis is still, of course, you love your mother and she loves you and you are actually very nice with each other. But you do not at any at any opportunity change how you (laughs) truly feel. (laughs) You will just straight up have an argument with her. And the thing is, is it's like, oh, like Alexis is so right. But I just got to let them do their thing because this is clearly their This is their dynamic. I I would
2: like to also say that as much as I rag on my mom, she is possibly one of the funniest people that yeah. I know in my life, and she absolutely does not mean to be. She just is yeah. who she She's is, and the comedy hilarious. just follows her around. Nice. Um, so yeah, but she she lost her job. She took a job out of town, and uh, one of the places she worked for like a good like six months was a uh, Hemet. And that is, if you don't know, it's kind of in the outskirts of like San Bernardino, basically in the desert. It is the tiniest fucking town. They have like one motel, then that's where she lived for like six months. And that, you know, the the, the motel was a little dilapidated. So, I mean, when she came back, she brought bed bugs with her, you know. So we had to throw out like one of our mattresses, you know. Yeah, and um, but I did go visit her um, that Christmas while she was there. And uh, one of the things that we watched was It's a Wonderful Life. And that is w- probably one of the times that I've really truly felt closest to my mom was watching that movie and her explaining her reasoning behind why she loves that movie. And it's because it she's so alone out there and she's been spending months and months. And, you know, she, she's from Fresno originally. She's grown up there, always with family. And, uh, and she felt really alone. And that, that movie made her feel close to her family because of how close to family that movie is um and so that's our movie that we're talking about it's a wonderful life 1946 by frank capra
1: starring uh, jimmy stewart and donna reed
0: i'm straight up over here like on the verge of crying. Yeah, mixed right. tearing i'm up. actually this tearing up from that
2: made us messy and unfuckable by the end we were like I, that bawling. made me
0: cry alexis what you just <laughs> said oh my god <laughs> I, mean, really I, love my mo-
2: I love my mother. Like, that's really beautiful.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Jared. Thank Thanks you again on the emailing. next episode. <laughs> we love thank you, thank <laughs> you for emailing us. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. Thank you. Please, <laughs> please keep doing it. <laughs> okay. um,
2: and he um, berated us. I, I love that.
0: Yeah, he did. No, yeah. Jared berate us more, or at least. Okay, more. relax.
2: He's writing us a story. I think that's enough.
1: Don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no.
0: Yes.
1: Okay. So me too. In 2017, Universal Studios announced the Dark Universe, an ambitious project that would see all of their classic movie monsters come together like some kind of horror Avengers. Only one movie was ever made, which bombed so hard they canceled the entire franchise. But what if they hadn't?
0: On our podcast, Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, we imagine the connected horror universe that never was. Every week, one of us pitches the other on the next movie in the universe until we grow to Marvel proportions and beyond. So far, we've tackled Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and many more, and we're just getting started. Follow along on your favorite podcast app
1: and ask yourself the question... Are you afraid of the Dark Universe? I had not seen this film before. and neither. It is a, you know, I would say a Christmas classic. Which, by the way, this episode is coming out on December 23rd. <gasps> Merry Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. Merry Christmas
0: to you. You made our shitmas list. You made our shitmas
1: list. You sure did. Our Season's wonderful greetings. listeners. <laughs> and also, happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Happy
0: Hanukkah. Happy
2: holidays, everybody. Ha-
1: oh. Happy holidays.
0: Happy holidays. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh I think I've discovered that I'm a fucking sucker for Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love we all, I, I
2: told Mick that yeah. when I was in high school, I had a huge crush on Jimmy Stewart. Because, like, I watched this movie, obviously, like, you for did the have first time. You
1: had a crush on little old me? Wow. I sure did. Wow. I sure did. <laughs> uh,
2: it was, and because I had also seen this movie that he did, Harvey. Um, And we had it on VHS, so I watched that a couple times, but it's really good. I have to watch that. Um, But this movie really cemented, like, am I in love with James Stewart? (laughs) And yes, and to this day, I, I, I stand for all the idealism that he portrays in these movies. He does it so well.
0: Have you seen Vertigo?
2: I... I've seen Rear Window. I've not seen Vertigo.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's one movie with J- with Jimmy Stewart where I'm like, God damn it, you're a bastard and I hate you.
1: I need yeah. to re-watch that movie. I haven't seen it since he's I was... He's such a, a he's such seen, dick.
2: I've never seen him play a bastard before. But, well, but in that, general, like well, he had this all-American man like, yes. uh, kind of... Uh,
1: he was the Tom Hanks of his day. He really yeah, is. Yeah. Except... You know, he represented a, a nice guy. He's so, a thousand percent more charming. God damn Jimmy Stewart. Not, yeah, like, no, no offense he, to Tom Hanks. Yeah, like, he's got he that
0: Midwest... <laughs> Vibe that we all just love.
2: And I love the way he talks. I don't know. I, I'm like, I wish you, I wish uh, you were uh, alive. To I know
0: what to you're him. saying, but yeah. the answer is, is yes.
1: <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's really quickly. You so it's just say the word and I'll throw a lass lass pull around. it down.
0: Uh, so, it's a wonderful life. Uh, it's a story about George Bailey who has so many problems he's thinking about ending it all. And it's Christmas. As the angels discuss George, we see his life in flashback. As George, played by Jimmy Stewart, is about to jump from a bridge, he ends up rescuing his guardian angel, Clarence, who then shows George what his town would have looked like if it hadn't been for all his good deeds over the many years. So that's Which is a weird synopsis of it. Yeah,
1: that's one thing I wanted to bring up right yeah. off the bat.
0: I think we have the same thing I, we're going to say. I
1: knew that It's a Wonderful Life involved someone like seeing what the world would be like if they were never in it and realizing, like, oh, I've had such a profound effect on people. Right. Yeah. I didn't realize... That's, like, the last 30 yeah. minutes that of the movie. That synopsis
0: is, like, yeah. the third act.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, most of the movie is just uh, George yeah. Bailey's life and, like, his relationship with yeah. Mary, his wife. Yeah, well, and uh,
0: his town, his yeah, community.
2: Yeah, it's, it's about his relationship with everyone. Yeah. Because you... It, it, it has no meaning to understand the effect that he had on people if you don't understand what those relationships meant to each of the people that he encountered.
0: That is what's so beautiful about this film, I think. I thought yeah. about it on the while I was speeding about twenty miles per hour of the speed limit back here, which was, <laughs> um, you know, throughout the whole film. At least for me, don't I was like, your "Car, Mick, it's a wonderful life." I was like, "Why?" <laughs> like as you're watching this story unfold, because I told Alexis, I said. Wait, so this really isn't a Christmas film. No. It's not. It's a movie that has Christmas in it at one point. Yeah. This whole time, because again, I hadn't seen it either uh, because my mom never allowed our family to play this during Christmas because it had a portrayal of suicide in it. She didn't want that around me. Um, and uh, I always thought it was a Classic Christmas movie, like Miracle on 34th Street, or something like that, where the whole thing is Christmas, 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 and it's just a very serious, dramatic take on it.
2: Especially because the picture that they have of right, the cover is the Christmas, a Christmas tree. tree in the background. Yeah,
0: well, and,
1: and the, the opening, family. when you see the opening credits, yeah. there's like Christmas imagery, Christmas on music. Like, yeah, title yeah. starts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, about halfway through the movie, I was kind of like, so this. Really isn't like that at all. It's more like kiss kiss bang bang, in the sense that it's a normal movie that has Christmas as an element. No, yeah, of Frank, it.
2: Frank Crap, Capra himself. Frank said that Crapra. Crapra. <laughs> Capra. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, he said it's not really a Christmas yeah, film. Yeah,
0: he said it's not really a Christmas. Which film. I kind of agree yeah. with, actually. uh But yeah, the, what, what makes the story beautiful is through allow throughout most of the film, I was kind of going like, well, damn, like I feel like. George Bailey's making strange choices. I think they're noble. I think his heart's in the right place. But as I told Alexis, you know, having a really good moral compass and having your heart in the right place at the end of the day sometimes does not put bread on the table. Yeah. So, like, when uh,
1: uh, Potter. Yeah. When Potter,
0: which, holy shit, yeah, fuck fuck that guy. guy. When Potter's like, you know what? I'm going to offer you a three-year contract, $20,000 every year. Are you in or are you out? I myself watching that as a viewer was like, well, fuck, damn. I mean, I know you're a bastard, but maybe like three years from now, I could take the money and run and then go do what I want to do. I'll take my wife Mary with me, I'll move to the city, travel, all that's this kind you, of that's stuff. That's how you sell your <laughs> soul. Well, that's the thing. That's what this movie's about. And so the important part of watching how it seems like his effects on the community throughout the film, he does have an effect. And you get to witness it firsthand and you're kind of like going, okay, where is this going? I see he just keeps, he cannot escape this town that he so desperately has wanted to do ever since he was a kid who just got into the National Geographic magazine or whatever, membership of that thing. Yeah. Then seeing the effect of had he not existed would not be as powerful had you not witnessed all of it yourself, if you had not had to sit through all of it. Yeah. Which makes it worth it. That, that's what I think is so beautiful about it.
2: Which was a... It was very interesting because I've seen this movie many times. Every single time that I watch it, I cry multiple times throughout the movie because I'm just so, I think, touched by his relationship with each person and how he affects them. Um, but it's that and you keep using this phrase of like being noble doesn't put bread on the table, but at Mm -hmm. no point was he not ever able to actually provide for his family. His family did have a house, you know, they did have clothes, they did have food. They were able to have a Christmas tree. It's just that they weren't rich, you know, like their clothes weren't the nicest clothes in town. And that's something that my mom has my entire life always tried to drive a nail into my brain about is Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you'll never be happy if you always want. You have to understand that sometimes what you have is just enough. And when you have each other, and that's what's so important to her as family, is yeah. when you have each other, you have enough.
0: Which cinematically is a tough sell.
2: Absolutely. I but mean, I think really this movie is. really got
0: it. No, it, it, it yeah. nailed it. Again, yeah. I, I was pretty... Again, throughout the whole film, I was like, okay, I see where it's going. I see what they're trying to say. But the last 30 minutes of this movie broke me like i i alexis like i was straight up quivering and bawling by the end of it such an such a powerful effect and they did it so well yeah. they, they really tied the themes together really well you had something to say yeah
1: about. except you know what's not enough is <laughs> that mr potter doesn't get fucking stabbed to death at the end <laughs> if, yeah. I, well, wrote it's it, if I wrote season. this movie <laughs> if i wrote it the town That's is true. not just coming together to bail George Bailey out. They are... It's grass- a lynching party. They are wrestling up a yeah. posse, and they are fucking dragging that old man's ass out of his stupid fucking wheelchair off the goddamn which, bridge. Which is another reason
0: why up. the Big Lebowski is so good, because they do that to a rich bastard who's <laughs> in a wheelchair. They literally throw him out and put him on the floor.
1: Yeah, listen, if you're a rich bastard in a wheelchair, I don't care that yeah, you're in a wheelchair. watch out. I'll come for you wow, that,
0: got, that was very intense. Uh, but no, you're right. He, uh, he, he really doesn't get his comeuppance. No, but at the that's, end, that's not really the point, though, is it? Well,
2: it's the fucking point. Because, because, okay, to me, so the thing that is so frustrating about the movie is that, um, it's, is that it's real, you know? Yeah. It's about the common man, and it's about a man who does what is right for other people, And in doing that, he doesn't get anything really necessarily in return except for friendship and love, you know? And. The, essentially, you know, you could say that the, the, the whole point of the movie and, and saying that Potter really does lose is because he doesn't have any of that. You know, you look at his fucking office, you look at George's office, George has pictures of his whole family around him, and in fucking Potter's office, he's got a goddamn giant portrait of himself that he gets to look at all fucking day, you know? Yeah. He has only himself, and he cares for only himself. And, you know, in many ways, that is a, that's a sad way to live, so... You have something
1: to say that? Yes, there all of this conversation about how this movie is about a common man who does his best to help his community over himself, and at the end of the day, his only reward is the fact that the people in his community care for him. Makes me realize why the fucking Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies remind me so much of Frank Capra movies. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, no, those movies are very classic Hollywood. Yeah. In terms of like their earnest, like, like I feel like the line, uh, oh my God, I literally said it earlier. You want the moons? Just say the word, and I'll put a lasso and throw it down. Uh, like that line would not be out of place in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah. Like as something that Peter would say. Hmm. Like, MJ. Yeah, to MJ, like. Yeah. To MJ. Like just that earnest yeah. like heart on your fucking sleeve yeah i care about you so much kind of dialogue and how their stories about someone who is willing to put their own wants and needs aside mm-hmm. for the good of their community that's why those movies are so good they're classic they're fake. frank capra they're old hollywood
0: yeah. The way, so I guess really what we're coming down to is if they had ever attempted a Spider-Man film in the 60s it should have been Jimmy the, Stewart yeah, playing Peter Parker let's try
1: the 40s not the, 60s. Yeah, not the 60s I mean the
0: critics said he's a little old for this but man he's charming
1: listen they were saying Tobey Maguire was a little old for it hold on now uh-huh. here comes a goblin go- Dr. Octopus get out of here <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, quick, uh, sorry. Go on. Quick sidebar. Oh no. <laughs> uh, the point where Jimmy Stewart, uh, George Bailey, first meets Mary at the dance. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and she's like talking to another guy. Yeah. And then he starts talking to her, and then the other guy's like, "Hey, hey." Uh, Please, you know, this is my day. This is my day. He yeah. just goes, well, why don't you stop annoying people? And yeah. then takes, a, I would kill myself <laughs> if Jimmy Stewart yeah. popped out of nowhere, and took your started gal. talking to my gal, and then yeah. just said, oh, why don't you stop annoying people? You know, I'd be bad. like, I mean, I'm done. I'm putting a gun yeah, in no, my mouth.
0: I'd be like, do I just annoy people? Is it that is, what I do? It, I do. This is oh, not no. a wonderful
1: life.
2: My favorite part about that exact scene, though, exactly what you're talking about, is that as soon as she sees George, he comes up, starts talking to her. She passes her drink to To that man because she's already decided I'm going to dance with him. You were a placeholder.
0: I'm fucking
1: done. Also, the scene where... uh, What's his friend's name? Is it Sam?
2: Sam. Yeah, Sam. Yeah. uh, Sam Wainwright or something like that.
1: Yes. uh, Is, like, talking to... Uh George and Mary the and phone. they're on the same phone oh, and yeah. then they start like getting oh, yeah. closer to each yeah. other. That's a great and shot. And then they start kissing. Yeah. I'm like, if I was on the phone, I just heard, oh Mary, oh I'd be like, I'm gonna fucking end it. I'm ending it all. <laughs> yeah, but then the I most, was a dick he, his charming, head was up his own ass. The most he charming care. man in America.
0: The man who wanted to make soy plastics.
1: I just, well, I, I wouldn't get over it. I would never get that, over it. That it was just, a
0: beautiful yeah. shot, though. Was oh, it not? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. so great. But I, I told I, the, Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I love that
2: fucking scene, though, because like Sam's like, You're not taking my girl, are you? And he literally has a girl behind him. I know. You know? That's
0: why I'm like, Fuck this guy. He even says it laughing. I'm
1: putting. You're not taking
0: my girl, are <laughs> like, you? I don't give a fuck. Whatever. Watch out for that hit, though.
1: <laughs> That was like, oh yeah, no, I guess that was before the Second World War. It was, yeah. um, So actually, it would have been really good for him to say, "Watch out for that handler." Yeah, he is a bad egg. <laughs> he fucking was. Uh, Kanye, yeah. he's a bad egg. Mm. Mm. Uh,
0: yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, so I, I have a question to pose to yeah. the, to the film majors. Yeah. Pose the question. What if he had left? Mm. Uh, um, what's the name of it? Town.
2: Oh, Bedford Falls. Bedford Falls. What
0: if he had left Bedford Falls and he had traveled to Cairo and and he had seen the Colosseum and then he did start to work on bridges and these big towers and stuff like that? Like, what if he had followed his dreams, which he clearly had throughout the whole film because at the end of the movie, what is in their living room? A giant model of a bridge. Mm -hmm. So that's what's interesting to me about this film. And I don't know, you know, how I stand on it necessarily. But basically, it's like, here's a guy who had these big, big dreams and aspirations to always escape this small town. He never does. And in the end, the story is kind of saying, well, the community you have around you and the family you have and the love and support that you have is enough. Yeah. Now, whether or not you agree with that, that's fine. But my question is, do you think that... Uh, George would have had a better life had he actually escaped? Or do you think that it would have been less fulfilling because he would have been going, it would have been the whole rat race of capitalism and he's doing this, you know, for money? Well, what do we think?
1: I think he might have struggled less, but, you know, sometimes to do what's right, we have to be steady and give up the thing we want most, even our dreams.
0: Hmm. Peter
1: Parker said that. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Played by Jimmy Stewart. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) To do the right thing, we have to give up the thing we want most. Yeah, that makes sense to me.
2: I don't love to play in... um, Hypotheticals. What ifs, yeah, in hypotheticals. Um, But, I mean, because to me, it's just, it's a different life. And you wouldn't have known what it was that you would have missed out on right. had you done the other way. So how do you really have anything to kind of uh, compare it to, you know? So maybe yeah. he would have been happy enough for what he had. Maybe he would have uh, been successful. But is this you know? the happiest um, he
0: could have been with what? how the movie ends?
2: I mean, the. I, I feel like that's an unfair question because like uh, you're the movie knocks it down to what is the bare essentials of what is important in life and it's the people that are around you and it's your community right. and uh, and in many ways there are lots of people who want to do more with their life, they want to get out of their town so they move out and um, and in many ways it is really the places that you come from that need the most help, you know, right. um, and you leave those places behind because they're not enough for you um, but those are the places that need you in actuality. Um so I really loved the fact that he stayed because it's it's him who has the most effect on everyone. You know? Yeah. He's the one who He
0: who sacrificed, built, yeah.
2: He I don't even want to say that like no, he, he sacrificed. He absolutely did. You know? Because
0: He sacrificed yeah, he his dreams. He gave up his dreams. He gave up his dreams to be there. And you know he was not he was tortured. He was. Yeah. To but be he, there. He,
2: he he came into a different dream though. You know? Like
1: W- yeah, i don't know if he would have had he would have had an easier life but he wouldn't have been as fulfilled yeah right
2: um yeah i'm trying to think here i, I mean i don't know like the i just think about like all the people that he helped and i right. it just in general i mean fucking potter is a fucking slumlord of like the worst yeah, degree, like we saw what happened to you know? you know? and, and,
0: bedford falls or pottersville when it's basically a fucking it's a little vegas yes. he would
2: have he would have been a robber baron he would have had yeah. a monopoly it's on disgusting. the entire area and so i mean i i what i love of, about the movie in places is the relationship um to the house that they build together yeah because it's uh you know the first time that you see it he's it's like a oh, character it's, in the he's film like, It's this shitty old house. Let's fucking break one of the windows. And she says, no, 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 I love it, you know? Which is how I
0: felt. I was with him. I was like, this is a shitty fucking house. It's Experiencing
2: this movie for the first time with Mick, I almost did, like, not want to even, like, touch his leg because he just kept making these comments. And I was like, you're going to eat your fucking words. You just fucking wait, sir, okay?
0: And I did. I did. I was crying by the end of this. Yeah, he he ate
2: his
1: tears. (laughs) I just can't picture not wanting to touch Mick's leg. I know, it's strange. (laughs)
2: Um, But yeah, so, like, and then they get married and... And uh, and then you know he's like oh oh where where are we going to to some hotel okay great and then it turns out it's this fucking shitty house right and uh and then they go so
1: drafty by the way
2: it's so drafty so
1: fucking
0: so, drafty. so fucking drafty in here draftiest
1: motherfucking and
2: what's the experience that they have they have uh the the fucking record player stops yeah which is
0: spitting the spit of little hens yeah that was yeah so but cute. The,
2: the record stops and then it's uh ernie and um
1: Bert. and Bert. it's Bert, Bert, it's and, Bert ernie. and ernie I that. yeah
2: it's Bert and ernie and they start to sing in the background right mm-hmm. and that's a moment you know and then you get to see the family. You, you know what? Fuck you guys. I love this what? movie. No, I <laughs> love this movie too. Yeah, I, I enjoyed laughing. it as well. <laughs> I'm like, are you laughing at me? No,
1: we're chuckling no, at the concept no. of two men named Bert and Ernie yeah, singing we're, me a we're sexy jam as I fuck my wife for the first time. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Keep <laughs> it chicken, Bert uh, and Ernie. Keep going. <laughs> 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 going. Uh, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Almost there. I'm, I'm, I'm arriving. I'm uh, lassoing her. Real <laughs> quick. A, I brought her to the moon.: There's a point where uh, <laughs> there's a point where George's mom uh, says, he, she's talking about how Mary clearly loves him, mm-hmm. and she goes, "She lights up like a firefly every time you're, you're around." And then Jimmy Stewart just goes, Wr, rr, rr, rr. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. he grumbles. <laughs> yeah. I love the Jimmy Stewart, Stewart
0: grumble..
2: Yeah, and his mom even says, I hate it when you mumble.
0: That makes one of
1: us.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's only because you're his mom. In
1: yeah, the get words it. of Jimmy Stewart, I just feel like if I didn't get away, I'd bust.
2: Well, he, he did. He, he did bust. Quite a few times, he had four children. Yeah, yeah he exploded. busted at least four
0: times.
1: Yeah, it all over. Yeah.
2: Uh, uh but yeah no i love the relationship it. that they have to the house what is the wrong characters with that the house has um, it because, is a ca- yeah i love because, the house i do you know uh, when he's still in this moment of like what the fuck has my life turned out to be this yeah. is all so fucking shitty look at this well, fucking house this it, this the the, the the banisters falling apart my kid's gonna have fucking well, pneumonia I, and then when he comes back at the end he's like look at this beautiful house where we made all these beautiful memories together and like he goes back into in, this world where he doesn't exist and none of those things happen. Bert and Ernie did not sing to him outside of that house, you know? That's, fucking Bert and Ernie. It's a beautiful experience that he never got to have with that house. And, yeah. and he realizes how important it was because it's not just a house. These are the four walls that house my family and the people that I love, you know? It's
0: not a house. It's, it's a, a, a home.
1: home. Yeah. Yeah, still... <laughs> it's more
0: than just mortar and bricks that makes this house. It's the love
1: and memories. It's the place where I piped my wife. Great. Sound like Bane. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart playing Bane. <laughs> yeah, oh, the, really for, really the more boring. this goes on, the more my Jimmy Stewart is. Turns into Bane. Bane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be it's great. if they do a life. remake. If they
0: do a remake of the Wonderful Life starring Tom Hardy. He just does his Bane voice.
1: So here's
0: here's one thing I want to add to this. Um here's why I personally, again, I struggled understanding why he's staying in this town throughout most of the film was I related to him in quite a similar way. I am from a town, very, very small town, that ever since I was a kid, I wanted to escape. And I always wanted to move to the big city. Even when I was a kid, I wanted to be an architect. I have drawings of these giant skyscrapers and stuff. So I really identified with this guy. So every time he tried to escape, I was like, yes, This is it. He's out. He's on his honeymoon. They're going to travel. And then, fuck, he's still stuck in it, which is why I felt like it was this hollow victory that he never got to escape. And as someone who I did get to escape my small town and I did move to the big city and the result of that on my life has been wonderful. Like, my life has improved so much because I I finally managed to escape. So that's why, just me personally, it was a very interesting interaction that I had with this story because it kind of... It really did turn me around in the last act of really understanding what this movie is about and not the artifice, not the superfluous aspects of life that we all, you know, uh, seek out, which is money and, and success, but really those meaningful relationships. And I myself question whether or not I would ever have gotten that if I had never escaped my little community. But at least for me as a viewer, that was my main uh, takeaway from that. Yeah. Which it was just, it was interesting. It was kind of difficult throughout most of the film.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think for me, like escaping, I don't even necessarily say escaping because I'm only like three hours away from my home, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily that like I have anything bad to say about where I come from or anything. It's just that... Um, What I wanted for my life was just not something that I was finding where I was. Yeah, you know, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, and I don't really have anything bad to say about mine either. It's just I know that the the dreams that I had as a kid would could have never happened. Yeah, where I was from, and if giving, and I don't know if giving up on my dreams would have would have, you know, I mean, shit, I still might have ended up on that bridge.
2: I think for me, staying in the place where I came from, I would have had to have sacrificed my ideals yes. to fit into um, late-stage capitalism, essentially, mm-hmm. because I was working in accounting for, like, a really long time. Right. And I, I hated it so much because I hated having to think about mon- not just my money, but everybody else's money, like, day-to-day, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, I have a story for the end whenever we're finished.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say if I'd stayed in my hometown, I would have been working at a plywood plant. So I would be like, at this point, down like three fingers, probably. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. It's probably a good thing. I'm, I'm glad.
2: I'm glad you have all your fingers, buddy.
1: Yeah. yeah no, look at me that. too. That's fantastic. I did smash one of them really fucking bad, yeah. like right before I moved down to L.A. You still yeah. have
0: all eleven of them. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah I, you know, I'll just every time I slam the door in your face, I'll just make sure your hand's out of it. I'm Thank like, you. I'm like kiss,
1: kiss, baby. Yeah. You open the door. Is like.
0: Is that your finger, Is that on, the your
1: floor? finger on the floor? Oh, yeah, you took my finger off.
0: <laughs> God, God, God uh, damn it, the confounded dog ate my stuff, finger.
1: This, this movie, <laughs> I sent this article. <laughs> I'm sorry, saying anything in a Jimmy Stewart voice yeah. is going to fucking get me. What, what the hell happened to my finger? Oh, look at that, it's a wheelchair, wow. <laughs> incredible. Is that some sort of a rear window?
0: Should we just redub Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with all three of our Jimmy Stewart impressions? <laughs> oh my
1: god, no. <laughs> Alexis, what's your Jimmy Stewart impression? No, I don't want to do it. Well, one. please do it. No. For no. the viewers,
0: not uh, for I know.
2: No. No, cuz zach won't cut it.
1: <laughs> You're right, I won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moving on,
2: uh this movie <sighs> this movie actually uh ended basically Frank Capra's uh career. Yes, it did. Um I zach- didn't know this. Yes, yeah. okay, let me tell you the story. So when this movie, they, so this was originally going to go through RKO and then they sold it to Liberty for like 10 grand, right? Liberty. And, and that was an independent studio that was co-founded by Frank Capra. And they borrowed like 1.54 million to make this movie for two point something million dollars. And uh, they, they essentially had a loss of half a million dollars at the end of it. Um, So this movie essentially ruined them financially and they ended up having to sell all of their directors' contracts because it was an independent studio, you know, back when there was still actually independent studios. This is a very Um,
1: similar story to what happened with uh, American Zoetrope. Oh,
2: really? Yeah, except,
1: uh, I don't know, I feel like this is looked back on a lot more favorably than uh, What from the Heart.
2: Yeah, so it's like this they ended up having to like sell off all their director's contracts that went under paramount and then within a few years um they just dissolved the whole thing entirely and essentially this ended frank capra's
0: career liquidated but, it all
2: but so back in during this time the um the copyright law or i yeah the copyright law um was about twenty-eight years and they didn't renew the copyright law for mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life. They so, wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. So in nineteen I think it was like nineteen seventy four or where something. This was going. Um it essentially was available for all public domain for all different like um, T V stations to use. So Die, they started which... playing it all throughout the year and mm-hmm. people realized, holy shit this movie's so fucking good and and within the next decade frank Frank capra actually got like a lifetime achievement award
0: so he got to see Um, it become what he had hoped it to be that's great yeah Yeah. and and that's also why so often in these classic you know films from the 80s and 90s you see Clips from It's a Wonderful Life being played in a scene like on the TV, because that's the most I had ever seen of this movie yeah. was in scenes from different movies.
2: Yeah, it's because it's public domain. Yeah, yeah. it's like
0: yeah. Uh, Night of the Living Dead. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, something else, you, that article you sent me was fantastic. I know, right. um, you know, so this film was investigated for communism propaganda from yes, the House of Un American Activities God Committee. fucking damn it. And they found it guilty. Of uh, basically uh, awesome. looking, at, basically it, it investigating, uh, not class warfare. That's not the term they use.
2: Instigating class warfare. Uh, here, I can I can find it if you just go on.
0: And you know who really didn't like this movie? Anne Rand. Anne Rand. <laughs> so that's how you know this is a good film. Oh, she
2: said that it was. It had pernicious threats to Americanism, and uh, the House yep. of Un-American Activities Committee agreed. Um, But yes, they...
0: They said, yes, queen.
2: They said, yes. Uh,
1: (laughs) Saying, yes, queen, to Ayn Rand. Yeah, so it said they
2: wrote that protagonist George Bailey's story was rife with subversive tendencies like demonizing capitalist bankers and attempting to instigate class warfare. warfare. God, if
1: your movie isn't attempting to instigate class warfare, what are you fucking doing? If you're writing a movie right now, Look at your script. See if it's instigating class warfare. If it's not, fix it. Uh, yeah. They also
2: concluded that those responsible for making It's a Wonderful Life had employed two common tricks used by communists to inject propaganda into the film. Further, the film used a subtle attempt to magnify the problems of the so-called common man in society. Wow. So sad. Amplifying the, the common man in society. God, I, I, I
1: know. wonder who's How going to see they? the
0: movie. Which here's another little detail with the House of Un-American Activities Committee, uh, as I told you, Zach, that uh, Cary Grant retired from acting because of how they treated Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, you know who. What the
1: heck's going on with Charlie Chaplin?
0: You know who helped Frank Capra get this movie financed? Charlie Chaplin. No, Cary Grant.
1: Oh, Cary. Cary! He
2: he found the script originally, yeah. and he's the one who brought it to RKO. Yep, and RKO is the one who sold it for ten grand to Liberty.
1: C- I'm
0: telling you, Cary Grant. That's why I got a fucking picture of that guy. He's a good person. That's
1: why we need. To, since we're talking on this episode about how much we love Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart, the Philadelphia. Sorry, let's fucking go. The Philadelphia. I need story. to watch that. I've yeah. never seen it. <laughs> Which it's so good transitions so good. me into a little detail about this movie that I want to mention. Jimmy Stewart is a fucking world class drunk actor. He yes. is play. He is so good so at playing drunk. He does a wonderful job with it at the end of this movie. Yeah. He does an even better job in the Philadelphia story. Yeah, I does. gotta watch that. Yeah, I'm so, so excited good. to watch it's, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah That's I think one of those
0: all timers that I have not seen yet. Yeah. yeah. Probably,
1: yeah. probably in a couple of months we're going to be discussing the Philadelphia story. Great. I I hope so. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. This was a real ri- yeah. Thank you for giving a shout out to his performance because it really was so good when yes. he really starts to unravel in the yeah. end talk about acting with your eyes mm-hmm. holy shit you really saw the pain and anguish and desperatism in himself yeah from that um another little thing i have to give a, a a quick note to was that beautiful shot where they're like very close and they're listening on the phone together i told alexis i fucking hate haze code kissing <laughs> it's so gross it like ruined the shot for me like oh mary mary and i'm like oh let we'll me stop mouthy my it's your face it's so horrible it's turtles going at it uh oh here's another quote from that article that i really really want to read um it fuck it this just goes to show you how cyclical uh, the uh, uh, how cyclical the um, film industry is. Capra blamed shifting trends in the film industry with the rise of the quote-unquote movie star, resulting in him being forced to compromise his artistic vision. His in his autobiography he wrote, quote, practically all the Hollywood filmmaking of today is stooping to cheap, salacious pornography in a crazy bastardization of a great art to compete for the patronage of deviates and masturbators.
1: Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> and I right. feel like I
0: feel like we're still dealing with that today. Yeah. Yes, it's just, it's crazy. Like us, we, okay. th-
1: us three deviant masturbators, we love movies. That's Sweet. what our
0: podcast should have been. <laughs> the deviant, the deviant masturbators.
1: masturbators. Good God. Okay, okay. So he I got mean, an
0: wrong.
2: American Film Institute's Lifetime Achievement Award in 1982, and he said don't follow trends start trends don't compromise believe in yourself because only the valiant can create only the daring should make films and only the morally courageous are worthy of speaking to their fellow man for two hours and in the dark
0: god damn right hell yeah us film majors salute you frank capra thanks and another thing too i know we have to wrap it up but uh, I saw that documentary, uh, Five Came Back, which was a uh, it's a documentary series about five famous filmmakers who were all enlisted by the uh, U.S. military to go document World War II. Yeah. Frank Capra was one of them.
1: Oh, he okay. He
0: actually, the Pentagon had him analyze Nazi propaganda yeah. for them to really dissect why this is so effective and how we can avoid that kind of thing or really how we can utilize that kind of thing on our own end, let's be honest. But this was something I talked about in my essay about Frank Capra in Michelle's class when we we all went to college, uh,
2: Mr. Smith Goes to
0: Washington. Washington. We talked about how how is it that all these filmmakers had these very uplifting, you know, very profound stories. Before World War II, and then when World War II was over, suddenly we had Double Indemnity from Billy Wilder, which is about the corruption of man. We have It's a Wonderful Life, which is about a a beautiful, noble person who no matter how much good he tries to do, he's always squashed down by the machine and and by, by circumstance in life. And this movie came out in 1946 so the war had just ended so frank capra himself had just gotten back from europe after witnessing a lot of atrocities that he was paid to document and i am not surprised in the slightest that the story that he decided to tell was this after witnessing something like that, which also plays into the fact why there's a whole montage that is real footage of I World War II say, that he captured.
1: When I was watching that, I was like, "That has to be real footage." Yeah, it's real. He yeah,
0: he, did he did shot it. that. That's from his own stuff. Wow. Yeah. So he he himself was just like fucking over it all. Yeah. So that's another like I talked about with uh, with Sherlock Holmes. It's interesting to analyze films in the context of the era that they came out. It was happening to the filmmaker and happening to the industry at the time.
2: Yeah. Are we wrapping it up? Because I have a short story. Tell me your story and let's wrap it up. Okay, great. So, um, as I said before, this is my episode where I'm really selling how much I love my mother, Jared. Um, <laughs>
0: your mother, Jared?
2: My, um, How much I love my mother. And this message is Comma, to Jared. Jared. <laughs> Comma, Jared. <laughs> But, uh, so in, uh, so as you know, in 2008, the housing market crashed, right? But prior to that, um, people were buying homes that were really fucking expensive because there was a bubble, right? Artificial mm-hmm. inflation. Uh, my mom helped, uh, my sister buy a house in 2005 in the, you know, one of the working class neighborhoods in Fresno where my dad also lives. And, uh, she literally bought that house in 2005 and within a year the city was trying to buy up like two blocks of property including my sister's house to build a school right and they were going to pay people for their houses but really for the people who had been buying houses recently that would not cover the intense mortgages that they had all had right so that's kind of fucking frustrating, right? And a lot of these people are working class people. They didn't really have the time to really um, go to head with the city over this. So my mom was pissed. So what did she do? She went door to door. She got uh, signatures from every single person on those that like two block thing. And she went to the city council meetings. And I'm my mom is not a public speaker. She does not even necessarily speak that well, but she. She did it, and she, um, she essentially was like, I just don't fucking understand why you guys have to buy up all of these people's property when there is literally a giant lot across from all of these houses that you can have, that you can buy there, you know? And, uh, and essentially, my mom helped to make it so that people didn't lose their houses in that two block radius. So no shit. No, I swear to God.
0: Wow. Dolores, yeah. so, I don't know if you do listen to this. I hope you do. But goddamn, good on you.
2: Yeah. Love my mom. You know, wow. she wasn't going to fucking stand for that kind of bullshit. Wow. So uh, Hell yeah. in, in many ways, my mom has uh, helped to instill a lot of uh, ideology that I stick to these days, you know, to this yeah. day. So.
1: So if you're listening to this episode, <laughs> it's the holiday season. Yeah. Help the common man. Help the common man. <laughs> because, you know, well, chances are you're the common man. Yeah. I mean, is that
0: not what A Muppet's Christmas Carol was all about? Helping your common man, yeah. being charitable? That's what and this about was about. And about family
2: and about people that you love. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And this really is a good tie-in with that one.
0: You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. So don't don't let all the fucking commercial bullshit of the Christmas season nope. blind you from the fact that what's really important is crushing the capitalist owner (laughs) class beneath your feet. Hammer in one hand, sickle in the other. And pushing that old bitch, Mr. Potter, right off the bridge. Yep. All righty. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy
0: holidays.
1: Next week, for our final episode of the year, we will be discussing Bridget Jones's Diary. It's a 2001 film directed by Sharon Maguire. And it stars Renee Zellweger, Colin Firth, and Hugh Grant, oh. one of our, one of the film majors fans. Oh, we love him. Yes. This and, is a great film. And
2: let me also say that this film is an adaption of Pride and Prejudice.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Yes, you stuck is. another <laughs> one in. You <laughs> snuck it yeah, back in. It all in. comes That's back like to Pride maybe. and Prejudice. Uh, so yeah, you can find that movie? skirt on <laughs> Pluto TV, Paramount Plus, and Showtime. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at Film Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And if you want to like Jared, shoot us an email because we'll respond to you. We don't have—we're not getting a lot of emails, so yeah. send one our way. Send us some holiday wishes and good cheer. Uh, you can email us at FilmMajorsPod at gmail.com.
0: That's right.
2: Uh yeah. Everybody have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah, hope you get a Christmas break. Happy folks. holidays. I'm and, sorry. I'm sorry. I grew up Catholic,
1: guys. Happy motherfucking Hanukkah.